Good morning. This is the conference operator. Welcome and thank you for joining the Publicist Group Half Year 2023 Results Presentation and Webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions by pressing star 1 at any time. Should anyone need assistance during the conference call, let me signal an operator by pressing star and zero on their telephone. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Artur Sadun, Chairman and CEO. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Alicia. Bonjour and welcome to Publicis Group first half 2023 result call. I am Arthur Sadoun and I'm here in Paris with our CFO, Michel Laproche. As usual, we will take your questions together after the presentation. Alessandra Girolami is also here and will be available to take all of your questions offline after this session. I will start this call with our H1 highlights. Then, Michel will provide more details on our member. I will then share with you what makes our model not only resilient to business cycle today, but also future-proof, particularly in AI. But before we start, please take the time to read the declaimer, which is an important legal matter. Okay, let's dive into our presentation. There are three key highlights to take out from our H1 results. Our Q2 organic growth came above expectations at plus 7.1%. Our operating margin is at a record high at 17.3%. We are now in position to upgrade our full-year guidance on all KPIs, demonstrating again our resilience to business cycles. Let's get into the details of this performance. First, we continue to outperform the market on organic growth, thanks to Epsilon, Publicis Sapient, and the impact of our new business track record on Publicis Media. At plus 7.1% organic growth, Q2 came ahead of expectations after double-digit growth in 2022. On a macroeconomic context that is still challenging, the strengths of our uniquely balanced revenue mix continue to perform. The growth of our data and tech activities, representing one-third of our revenue, came in strong. Epsilon posted plus 6.8% organic growth, following a high comparable base of plus 14% in Q2 last year. Publicis Sapient was a very solid plus 5.5% for the quarter, despite very high comparable at plus 19% last year and clients slowing down their decision-making process in digital business transformation as we anticipated in Q1. Creative saw a low single-digit organic growth for the quarter, with some expected localized cut on smaller projects in classic advertising, compensated by continued solid momentum in production. 
Media activities, which represent another third of our revenue, accelerated even further with double-digit organic growth thanks to our new business track record in 2022. The strengths of our differentiated offer was again visible across our regions. The U.S. posted a plus 5% organic growth on top of plus 10% last year despite ongoing macroeconomic tensions. It included a very solid publicist sapient, continuous strength at Epsilon, and an acceleration in media to double digits. Creative was stable as anticipated this quarter. In Europe, the performance has remained particularly strong at plus 15% organic in Q2, on top of double digit last year. The UK, with plus 17% organic growth, was led by publicist sapiens and media again this quarter, while France accelerated to 5% and Germany stayed strong at plus 10%. Asia PAC improved to plus 3% organic growth in Q2. China delivered the very solid dynamic we anticipated with an acceleration to plus 7% this quarter on top of a positive performance last year. Second highlight, we continue to deliver the best financial KPIs in our industry for H1 thanks to our platform organization. Our operating margin came in at 17.3% in line with the record level of 2022. Our country model, shared services, and our global delivery centers allow us to deliver this performance all while continuing to invest in our talent, maintain record high bonus pool, and absorb web inflation. When it comes to free cash flow, it is worth mentioning that we absorbed the impact of the U.S. R&D tax payment related to 2022 and delivered $725 million in H1 above 2022 record level. In line with our capital allocation, we invested in Bolton acquisition to complement our capabilities in the last 12 months. We acquired retargetly and yieldified to further expand Epsilon data reach, Praxia to strengthen Publicis Sapien Global Delivery Center footprint in LATAM, and Cora for its Adobe expertise in the U.S. We did this while completing our share repurchase program to cover ITIs and continuing to deliver as anticipated, reaching an average net debt of circa 500 million euros in H1. Finally, thanks to our strong operational performance, combined with our improved interest income, headline EPS was up double digit again at plus 11% to €3.21 on top of plus 29% growth in H1 last year. Third highlight. Thanks to our ability to win market share and the resilience of our model to business cycle, we are upgrading our guidance on all KPIs for the year. On organic growth, we now expect to deliver circa 5% for 2023 
above our three-year CAGR at plus 4%. There are two reasons why we are raising our full-year 2023 expectations. First, of course, a better H1 that anticipated. Second, despite persistent macroeconomic uncertainties that could lead to localized cuts in classic advertising and more delays in mid-sized business transformation projects, we are confident to deliver an unchanged expectation for H2 organic growth at a rock-solid 3%. We are also confident to upgrade our guidance for financial ratios, thanks to the proven efficiencies of our platform organization. We are now anticipating to deliver an operating margin rate close to 18% and a free cash flow at at least 1.6 billion euros. Concretely, our upgrade in organic growth and operating margin also means an upgrade in EPS despite the recent moves in the euro to dollar rate. This is it for our three highlights. I will now leave the floor to Michel Alain. I will then come back to share with you what drives our confidence in having a model today that is ready for tomorrow. Thank you, Arthur. Good morning to all of you and glad to be with you today. I will begin the evolution. I will begin with the evolution of the net revenue for the second quarter and first half of 2023. The group posted a net revenue of 6 billion and 318 million euros in H1, representing an organic growth of 7.1%. And this despite a high comparable base of 10.4% organic growth in H1 last year. Reported net revenue growth was 7.6% in the half year. Looking at the second quarter, net revenue was 3 billion and 239 million euros, up 5.4% on a reported basis. This includes 213 million euros contribution derived from a 7.1% organic growth, a net negative impact of Forex for 73 million euros, half of it coming from the USD and the other half across all other currencies. Finally, a contribution of acquisition net of disposal of 26 million euros. This includes the revenue of the acquisition we closed in 2022 such as Profitero, Yeldify, Retargetly, as well as our most recent acquisition of Praktia and Cora for about 29 million euros altogether. It was partly offset by some disposal, representing 3 million euros. Let's move on to the next slide, which is giving you the dynamics of our Q2 organic and reported growth by region. North America posted a solid 4.9% organic growth after 10.3% last year. As I mentioned, the impact of the forex was obviously negative, bringing the region reported growth to 2.2%. Europe, again, recorded double-digit growth this quarter at 15.2% organically. This came on top of a very strong comparable of 10.1% in the prior year. Excluding outdoor media activities and the drugstore, Europe growth came in at 11.6%. Asia-Pac posted a 2.6% organic growth, with China accelerating to 7%. Middle East and Africa and Latin America continue to perform well, with 6.5% and 5.9% organic growth, respectively, on double-digit growth last year. So let's begin with more detail on North America. The region posted 4.9% this quarter, with the U.S. at 5% and Canada 
at 2.2%. In the US, the group's largest country, all activities continue to perform well. Media accelerated to double-digit growth on top of double-digit last year, fueled by strong underlying trends and new business won in the last 18 months, notably in the healthcare, food and beverage, and retail sectors. As anticipated, creative activities were stable due to localized cuts in classic advertising. Production remained solid, particularly in automotive and retail. Publicis Sapient grew 5.1% organically as the demand for digital business transformation remained solid, in particular in leisure and travel and in retail. This comes in a context of slower decision-making process and after a high comparable basis of 17% last year. Epsilon grew 6.9% organically. All divisions posted a very solid performance in the quarter, and particularly digital media. It is worth noting that both Publicis Sapient and Epsilon grew strongly compared to 2019 levels at 38% and 31% respectively, highlighting the structural demand for those capabilities. Let's turn to the performance in Europe on the next slide. As I mentioned earlier, Europe recorded 15% organic growth this quarter, or 11.6% excluding outdoor media activities and the drugstore. In the UK, organic growth came in at 17%. This performance continued to include a double-digit publicist sapient, like in the previous quarters, with significant contribution from financial services and retail clients. Also notable was a double-digit growth in media, supported by global clients and a solid creative. France, which represents 5% of our net revenue, posted a 5% growth excluding outdoor media activities and the drugstore. This implied an acceleration this quarter compared to Q1. The country saw double-digit growth in media, notably in the non-food consumer product sector, as well as at Publicis Sapient. Germany, which represents 3% of our net revenue, posted a 9.5% organic growth, with double digit in media, and a very solid publicist sapient, particularly in the manufacturing sector. Creative posted a positive growth over the quarter. Lastly, our operation in Central Eastern Europe accelerated to 17.1%, led by both creative and media, mostly thanks to global clients. The group posted double-digit growth in Poland, Hungary, Czech Republic, and resumed its activities in Ukraine. On next slide, I will detail our performance in the rest of the world. In Asia-Pac, which represents 9% of group net revenue in Q2, we posted 2.6%, above Q1 performance. Importantly, China accelerated from 3.7% in Q1 to 7% in Q2, driven by new business wins in media, which grew double-digit. Thailand sequentially improved while remaining in negative territory due to the phasing of a large project in DBT. Meanwhile, Singapore, Vietnam and Japan posted double-digit growth. Australia and New Zealand were broadly fat. In Middle East and Africa, we posted 6.5% organic growth. It was largely driven by media activities. Publicis Sapient was stable due to some project delays coming from slower decision process. 
Latin America posted a 5.9% organic growth, largely driven by media. Mexico, Colombia, and Argentina were the main contributors. Reported growth was 15.1%, taking into account the recent acquisition of Praxia in Argentina. For your reference, you'll find on the next slide the H1 regional performance by regional performance. As you can see, Q1 and Q2 growth by region were actually quite similar. North America grew 5.3%, Europe 13.8%, APAC 1.7%, Middle East and Africa 11.2%, and Latin America 6.7%. On the next slide, you'll find the group performance by client industry for the first half. This is based on an analysis of our main clients representing 91% of our net revenue, and it excludes outdoor media activities and the drugstore. In H1, all of our client industries but TMT posted positive growth. Automotive continued to perform well at 6% after 5% last year, fueled by growth at existing clients. Financial posted 2% in H1, despite a very high comparable basis of 14% in H1 2022. TMT is coming back to positive territory in Q2 2023, thanks to new business gains, improving from negative growth in Q1 2023. Food and beverage posted 20% growth in H1, thanks to the ramp-up of large existing contracts and new, and new business in media. As anticipated, non-food consumer products posted 2% in H1 2023, with positive contribution in both quarters after a high 9% comparison base. Healthcare, retail, public sector, and leisure continue to perform very well at double digit like they did in Q1 2023. Moving now to our consolidated income statement. For the first half 2023, EBITDA was 1,335,000,000 euros, up by 3.7% versus last year. Operating margin was at 1,093,000,000 euros, a margin rate of 17.3%, in line with the record level of last year. I will provide more details in the next slides. Headline group net income was 813 million euros in H1. It's an increase of 11.8% versus last year. Headline net financial expenses strongly improved to 6 million euros, reflecting a higher remuneration on cash position, while income taxes increased to 272 million euros due to a higher profit before tax. Amortization of intangible were mostly stable, while real estate restructuring charges reached 83 million euros with a continuation of the group real estate footprint optimization. Capital gain and losses were not significant this semester, contrary to last year, when we accounted the disposal loss for the exit of our Russian operation. Taking all this into account, the group net income was 623 million euros in H1 2023, which is up 16% versus 2022. Let's now turn to the following slide, which presents our simplified P&L down to the operating margin. As I already mentioned, our operating margin rate was stable compared to last year at a record high 17.3% with 1,093,000,000 euros. I'll detail the different components on the next slide. 
So let's begin with the effects and perimeter, um, with the effects and perimeter effects which were ne negligible. We kept personal costs stable in percentage of revenue thanks to a dynamic management of group resources absorbing 2022 wage inflation. In particular, this semester, as the group grew by 7%, we managed to contain net hirings at circa uh, 1,300, while strongly decreasing our freelancer costs, as per the plan I shared with you last February. This is reflected in the bridge by the 140 basis point shift between fixed personnel costs and freelancer. When it comes to restructuring costs, the increase of 20 basis points reflects the localized adjustment that we have made on the group organization to adapt it to the current environment. Now let's turn to the operating leverage of the group. Other operating expenses, including depreciation, contributed to a net improvement of 20 basis points. First, we have posted an increase of 40 basis points of other operating expenses as anticipated, reflecting the increase in travel and client-facing meetings. Second, depreciation improved by 60 basis points, driven by the continued benefit from our actions to reduce our real estate footprint over the last few years, as well as an increasing use of SaaS software that are directly expense. As a result of all this, our operating margin rate in H1 2023 amounted to 7.3% in line with H1 2022 level. Let's move to our headline net financial expenses on the next slide, which are improving by 68 million euros, beginning with the interest on net financial debt, which is a positive of 42 million euros, improving by 69 million euros compared to last year. This was largely due to higher remuneration on cash balances. This improvement was actually stronger than what I anticipated in February, reflecting the continued rise in central bank rates on both sides of the Atlantic in H1. Interest on lease liabilities improved by 6 million to reach 39 million euros, reflecting the reduction of our real estate footprint. The other lines being non-significant, this result in 6 million euros headline net financial expenses versus 74 million euros last year. Now, income tax. Reported income taxes stood at 205 million euros. The increase reflects the rise in profit before tax as well as higher effective tax rate compared to H1 2022. To calculate the headline income taxes of 272 million euros, we are adding the non-cash element of our PNL, i.e. the tax effect on amortization of intangibles on impairment and real estate consolidation as well as other non-cash items. Effective tax rate was 24.8%, up by 140 basis points compared to H1 2022, reflecting the higher share of the U.S. in the profit before tax, which is carrying a 26.6% tax rate. Next slide, the headline earnings per share fully diluted is actually growing by 11% year-on-year and reached €3.21. This is an increase of 62% versus 2019. This strong growth reflects not only the improvement in our operating margin, but also the reduction of net financial charges that I just described. 
those two elements that uh, made our H1 EPS growth will actually do the same on the full year. Our guidance upgrade on organic growth and operating margin combined with lower than anticipated financial charges are two major positive for the full year headline EPS and they absorb the impact of the evolution of the dollar which we consider at 1.12 for the remaining part of the year. As a consequence, we anticipate a full year headline EPS growth uh, to be between mid and high single digit, which is an upgrade of 3 to 4% compared to the current consensus of 6.57. Finally, it's worth mentioning that the average number of shares on a diluted basis is stable versus December 2022, exactly as we committed. This materialized our decision to prevent shareholders from dilution by first suppressing the script dividend as announced in February 2021, and since that, buying shares on the market to complement the manager's long-term incentive plans. Moving to next slide, free cash flow. Our free cash flow before change in working capital reached 725 million euros, up 17 million euros compared to H1 2022. Despite the 110 million euros TCGA transitional tax payment, related to 2022 and paid in January 2023. This improvement is mainly driven by the increase of EBITDA for 48 million euros, reflecting the strong activity in the first half, as well as the higher interest received on cash balances, particularly in, in USD, for a total of 80 million euros that I mentioned already. This is partly mitigated by a 25 million euros increase in tax paid on top of the 110 million euros TCGA tax related to 2022. Lease and CAPEX were both reduced by 15 million euros in total. Lease, thanks to action on real estate uh, footprint. CAPEX, reflecting our increased usage of SaaS platforms, which are directly expense, as I have just described, as well as some phasing effect between H1 and H2. Excluding the 2022-related tax fade in 2023, free cash flow before change in working capital is 835 million euros, a 18% improvement compared to H1 2022. Next slide, use of cash. In H1 2023, change in working capital represented an outflow of 1 billion 53 million euros, higher than last year. This materialized the particularly high commercial activity of the group this semester, notably in production. Acquisition, including earnout of net and net of disposal, amounted to 170 million euros. This included three acquisitions made for Publicis Sapient, namely Praktia in April 2023 to extend its global delivery center in Latin America, Publicis Sapient AI Labs, for which we took full ownership in May 2023 to complement Publicis Sapient AI capabilities, and Cora in June 2023 to develop its expertise in Adobe commerce in the U.S. It also included an acquisition for Epsilon, Yeldify, to improve on-site personalization and customer journey offering for the mid-market. On share buyback, we have a 193 million euro outflow following the completion of the repurchase of shares to cover LTI plans. Finally, other non-cash items represented a negative 
of 162 million euros, largely coming from the change in earnout and buyout, fair value of cross-currency swaps, and the currency translation adjustment on the balance sheet, mostly due to the USD to Euro exchange rate. Moving to the following slide for the net financial debt. The group closing net debt reached 226 million euros at the end of June 2023. It's an increase of about 860 million euros compared to the end of December due to the cyclical nature of working capital. The average net debt on the last 12 months is 498 million euros. When we include the average lease, this represents a leverage of 1.1 time EBITDA, an improvement both versus the 1.2 time at the end of December and the 1.3 time a year ago. Taking into account our performance in the first half, we now aim at circa 400 million euro of average net debt for the year should the USD to euro remain at the current level of 1.12. This concludes my financial presentation and I now give the, back, uh, the floor back to you, Arthur. Thank you, Michel. <clears throat> Six years ago, we set the objective to shift from a communication to a transformation partner for our clients. Six years later, the shift is now completed. Today, we are outperforming our industry, thanks to our ability to win market share and the resilience of our model to business cycles. But that's not all. Not only are we performing very well, but thanks to our transformation journey, we are also uniquely positioned to lead the future of our industry, which will be shaped by data, technology, and AI. AI is the flavor of the day, and thanks to ChatGPT's great launch, everyone has discovered this potential. We can expect new changes by the day in the tech world. Just take yesterday, and meta launch of Lama 2, which will be available on Azure, free of charge, including for commercial purposes. In our industry, there has not been one day in the last months without a new partnership announced. Of course, we are doing ours with big platforms like Microsoft with OpenAI, Adobe with Firefly, or Google with Vertex or Coir. We are also doing a partnership with focused startups like Jasper, Writer, Briar, or Assemble AI. But what truly sets us apart from our competition is that in our case, AI is already at the core of our business model, and we have been pioneers in many areas. Thanks to our investments in Sapient, Epsilon, and Marcel, we actually have three unmatched competitive advantages to make sure that our clients, but also our people, can truly leverage AI to grow. First, by combining AI, with Epsilon identities, we can refresh our data every five minutes to deliver real-time personalization. We can also link media investments to business outcome, which is, as you know, the holy grail in marketing. Lastly, it allows us to lead in connected TV and retail media, where AI plays a critical role to find real reach and incremental sales for marketers. 
the 250 million Epsilon profile, boosted by AI and empowered by our scaling media, are the reason behind our major wins in the last years, including Disney, Stellantis, Walmart, ADI, Mondelez, LVMH, and very recently Pfizer. Second, massive competitive advantage. Publicis Sapient, historical extensive experience in the areas of machine learning, natural language processing, and every kind of AI allow us to build solutions for our clients across industries and capabilities. From developing AI and particularly generative AI visions to building out use cases and launching offerings for all industry verticals. For example, at Publicis, Sapient Technology and Engineering combined with AI drastically accelerate and improve our own processes, particularly in the creative space. This is true, first and foremost, for the end-to-end -end creative development. Thanks to our technologies, our partnership, and our own safe environment, Publicis GPT, we generate faster and at-scale content that is directly relevant to our client customers and in line with our brand values. This is also true to optimize production, automatize processes such as translation, compliance, and asset reuse. But let's take a couple of minutes to show you how AI can make an idea that comes from one of our most brilliant creatives in Paris, Marco, just even better. I hope you have liked our small commercial break. Uh, let me come back to our last competitive advantage. 
By powering our industry first platform, Marcel, with AI in 2017, we have allowed to connect, empower, and manage our people in a unique way. Today, we are still the only holding company using AI to identify the most relevant talent across the group, provide quality personalized training to all, and enhance career mobility through smart talent findings, thanks to Marcel 100 million data points. I mean, we are just at the beginning to see the potential of AI. Thanks to our investment over the last years, we are clearly leading the industry in terms of capabilities. We now need to bring those capabilities into the hands of everyone at Publicis, which is our priority in the coming months. Voilà. As you have seen, H1 has been strong on all fronts. Once again, we are outperforming the market on organic growth, delivering record financial ratios and upgrading our guidance on OKPIs. We are making the demonstration that we are both resilient to business cycles and future-proof. Actually, taking a step back and looking at our run we have had since the pandemic, our performance this first half confirmed that despite persistent microeconomic uncertainties, we are today a much stronger company. Since 2019, our net revenue is up 45% on a reported basis in H1. Our organic growth is up plus 19%, with the U.S. at plus 22%. Our operating margin is up by 68%. Our free cash flow is up by 70% and our headline EPS is up by 62%. I would like to end this presentation by thanking our clients for their trust along this transformation journey, and of course our people for their continued effort. I thank you very much for listening, and now with Michel Alain, we are ready to take all of your questions. This is the conference operator. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one on the touchstone telephone. To remove yourself from the question queue, please press star and two. Please pick up the receiver when asking questions. Anyone who has a question may press star and one at this time. The first question is from Lina Gayor from BNP Paribas. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Arthur, Michelle, and the team. It's Lina. I hope you can hear me well. Um, well, congratulations uh, on, uh, on the results. I do have a couple of questions. The first one is on vacant. Some of your peers in digital transformation and have had a um, cautious message around their pipeline and business momentum. Although for you, vacant still has a growth on strong comps, so could you share a bit your sentiment around the medium-term outlook and the need uh, for digital transformation in a toughening macro environment? The second question is on your guidance. Uh, your 5% organic growth guidance implies 3%, around 3% organic in H2 versus 7 in H1. Should we understand that there is a bit of caution in the guidance, or else could you help us understand what are the macro assumptions that you have factored in to reach 5% for the full year? 
And lastly, you have mentioned a couple of times production, which is nicely offsetting some of the cuts in traditional creative. But could you remind us how much this presents uh, as percentage of group net revenues and what are the drivers uh, of the top line for that division? Thank you. Uh, a lot of questions here. What I propose is I'm going to start uh, um, coming back on the guidance because this time we did it at the beginning of the presentation, so if some missed it, I'm going to recap a bit everything and, of course, answer your question, uh, Lina. Uh, then I will let Michel Alain go through the production SaaS creation question, which is a very important one, and I will end up uh, with your question on sapiens. Okay? So I'm going to take a bit of time as, as you're asking, of course, a critical question, uh, uh, and I'll start uh, with the guidance for 2023. So, uh, as we said, we are upgrading on all KPI uh, for the year. And again, I'm insisting on that, despite persistent macroeconomic challenges. Huh? And this is where, hopefully, you see the strengths of our model, and we will see how our peers are doing in the near future. Uh, when it comes to organic growth, and coming back to your question, we need now plan to deliver circa 5% in 2023. It's important to note that it is an acceleration versus our three-year CAGARs. We are insisting on the three-year CAGAR and basically the result we had since 2019 because you all know that there have been so many ups and downs during this period. And by the way, ups and downs, half-year versus half-year, as you can see in 2023, that it's important to remind that the dynamic is actually accelerating versus our three-year CAGARs uh, uh, that was at 4%. Now we are at 5%. To come back precisely uh, uh, to your question, uh, um, uh, we expect a better, uh, we have a, the reason why we are able to upgrade this guidance is first, of course, because we have a better than expected H1 at 7.1, clearly. But it's important to note also that this is based on the fact that we have a rock solid growth for H2 that we anticipated as circa 3% taking into account two important factors. On the one hand, potential additional cuts, so let's come back on your point, in classical advertising, but also more delays in transformation projects due to those persistent microeconomic uncertainties, and I'll come back to that later when we talk about sapiens. And on the other hand, we should not forget that Q4 is always an adjustment quarter, and even more in what is still a very volatile year. I think it is very important to note, again, coming back to 2019, that the growth we are anticipating in H2 imply that actually H2, compared to 19, is going to grow at a similar pace as H1 at circa 19%. So again, when you look at 19, we have the same growth in H1 than in H2 with 19%. We expect, again, with this performance to continue uh, to lead the market. I think we can make a focus on production and creative, and then I will come back on the focus in sapiens. Sure. Hi, Lina. Um, so just a, a couple of uh, data points about production. So uh, production is, is roughly representing 20% of uh, creative today. And you remember creative is one third of, um, of our business and it's growing double digit for several quarters uh, in a row. So you're right, in Q2, we had a, a very solid momentum in, in production, and it's, uh, it helped us compensated uh, the localized cut that, uh, um, in, in classic advertising that Arthur was mentioning that we actually anticipated. 
for H2, we anticipate this solid momentum in production to continue, uh, mostly fueled by our new business, and Pfizer is a, is a good example, and leveraging the group technological production platform, which is called PX. Arthur? So lastly, uh, uh, on Sapient, and I'm going to take a minute on that because um, uh, this is where, again, you see the strength of our model. I mean, if, if I've got to take a step back before getting into uh, Sapient, as I said in my second part, the future of our industry lies in data, tech, and AI. And we are incredibly positioned for that, thanks to the acquisition we have been making and the vision Maurice Levy had roughly a decade ago. And this means that not only uh, we are outperforming today, but we are, of course, confident for the future. Uh, coming back on Sapiens, first, uh, with 5.5% of any growth in Q2, Publicis Sapient is clearly delivering a very solid performance, considering, as I said, a very high base of 19% organic growth in Q2. I guess you realize what it means. It is actually, and that's very interesting if you look at the market, a performance that is at the high end of its system integrator peers guidance, which means a lot for us because we are fighting against those guys with Publicis Sapient. Publicis Sapient is again accretive to the group in H1 with plus 8.3% organic growth, and it will also be accretive for the full year versus our new guidance. I don't know if you remember, but as we discussed in Q1, like all the system integrators, we are currently experiencing some delays in implementation of some digital business projects. Okay? This is due, and honestly we can understand that, to our client consciousness in a contest, again, of persistent macroeconomic uncertainties. But I want to be clear on something. Those delays are not a source of concern at all and are actually already baked in our guidance. Concretely, they do not change anything to the structural demand for DBT projects that not only remain very strong, but honestly are even stronger when you look at the rise of AI. I don't want to do too much on AI because, as I say, it is the flavor of the day. But, you know, when Maurice Levy made the acquisition of Sapiens, some were doubting, and then with time, I think we have been able to demonstrate that they were growing and being very accretive to the group. Huh? If you look at the four-year stack, Sapien is growing at 30% when the group is, working, is growing at 20. But between us, this is not the most important thing for me. The most important thing for me is if you want to lead in data technology and AI, having Sapient at the core of our business, not a partnership, not a couple of people that you hire, not a small company that you take. I mean, a big player in technology, system integrator, with engineer, that can help our client transform and help ourselves transform, make a very, very big difference. And if you add to that, which is something that we try to insist today, the strength of our very well-balanced revenue mix, we are actually able to deliver and actually over-delivering whatever the circumstances. Answer, but hopefully we have, we have touched many points with uh, with those three. Thank you very much. The next question is from Lisa Young from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my questions and uh, congratulations on the on, on the results. Uh, really impressive. Um, I have a couple of uh, follow-up uh, questions on the on, on the guide and on the, your your performance. 
So, so firstly, um, I mean, clearly you're significantly outperforming your peers, uh, and I was wondering if you could help us quantify the benefit of the new business uh, in the second quarter and, and what you expect for the full year. I think previously you said uh, usually it's one to two percent, but clearly it looks like uh, it, it could be higher this year. Um, and could I also clarify whether your guidance reflects any benefit from the size of win, uh, and when you would expect to start to see the benefit from from that from that contract. Um, the, the second question is also related to, to new business, but uh, just wondering um, what sort of, sort of conversations you're, you're, you're having with, with clients. Uh, do you see an opportunity for more potentially client reviews and, and more opportunity uh, as opposed to risk in the, in, in the rest of the year? Um, and thirdly, on Sapient, uh, so you mentioned you're factoring uh, in the slower decision process even into H2. So, so, just wonder, uh, so I just want to clarify in your guidance for the full year, um, you don't expect any sort of major projects uh, resuming. So if they do, for instance, resume as we get, I don't know, maybe, maybe better um, to get a soft landing in the U.S., for instance, um, that would be basically an upside to your, to your current guidance. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll start with Sapient as we were talking about that a minute ago. I mean, again, all the industry is experiencing what we are at the moment, which is, and let's be clear, slow down in the execution of projects. Clients are not cutting. We are actually winning very well, and this is why, with our performance in Q2, we are actually in the higher part of the bracket of our system integrator peers. So we feel very confident about what we can build and what we have built so far. What I can tell you at this stage is that we have anticipated that this slowdown in the decision process will continue in H2. And this is why we are saying that our 3% is rock solid. Uh, on new business, I'm continuing with your question number two. Uh, I mean, we had an exceptionally busy H1 uh, in new business. We see, of course, some opportunity in H2, but not as much and not as big as what we have seen uh, in H1. And to be, uh, um, to, to be clear about that, it's not a bad thing for us because we have won a lot, so it's good to be able to integrate and ramp up this business very well. You have seen the growth we had in media. That was pretty impressive. And second, it's good for us because we don't have that many defensive, only offensive opportunity, but again, not at the level of what we have seen uh, in H1. I won't make any uh, comment on Pfizer as we don't comment any particular new business. Uh, what, what I can tell you uh, to finish on that is that uh, we, we don't quantify exactly uh, the impact of new business because it's, it's ongoing, you know. We have been, uh, we had, we were number one of the ranking four years out of the five. We continue to have a very good track record, and it's part of our growth overall. But when you look at the number we are delivering on media, I mean, the big unexpected number here is Publicis Media, thanks to our new business track record in Q2, hein, to be clear. The rest was, was expected. This has been a very good surprise, and it showed that the model we have been convincing some clients to take is actually ramping faster uh, than, uh, than we are expecting. I would like just to, to, to take this opportunity to talk precisely uh, about why we win. I mean, and, and for those that have been following us for a while, uh, 
we we uh, we decided to make those two uh, big acquisitions, Epsilon and Sapiens, because we knew, and at the time Morris Levy knew, that technology and data would be at the core of our industry. I think what we have been doing particularly well in the last year is to make sure that those two operations are really at the core of our group. And what makes me very happy today is our ability to win in media and sometimes in creative, although creative is more what we're going to do with AI, but winning in media thanks to Epsilon, thanks to the technology of Sapient. This is what makes our model unique when we pitch. And this is the reason why our track record is what it is. And this is why, by the way, although we are the number one in new business, we are continuing to improve our margin. And new business is not dilutive, but accretive to our margin also. We are building a model, again, based on data, based on technology, based on AI that is already at the core of what we propose. And hopefully, I haven't been too fast into what I presented. That is truly differentiating and justify a special value in the eyes of our clients. Very clear. Thank you. The next question is from Julian Vosch from Barclays. Please go ahead. Oui, bonjour, euh, Arthur, Monsieur Lalan, premier membre à vous, deuxième membre à vous, troisième membre à vous. Um, three questions. Um, at the full year, you gave us a Q1 organic guidance. At the Q2, you gave us, uh, uh, sorry, at the full year, you gave us a Q1 organic guidance. At the Q1, you gave us a Q2 guidance. Um, so far, you've not given a Q3 guidance. I know you said about three percent in the second half, but can we get an actual uh, Q3 guidance? Uh, and if not, why not? Uh, first question. Uh, the second one uh, for Michel Alain, 1.6 billion of, of free cash guidance, free new U.S. tax, and free working capital. Uh, can we get a full year 23 guidance for U.S. tax? Uh, is it 110? Uh, and working capital so we can get reported cash flow. Uh, and with so much cash generation, can we get a, a full year number for interest? So two numbers there. And then finally, would it be possible to get the exact net sales of Sapien in the first half or, or for your 22? Because Globant is worth $8 billion, and according to Nigel, um, Sapien is bigger and much better. But I think the market won't give you fair value for Sapien if we only have organic. So getting net sales would help. Uh, suggestions there. Thank you. I have Michel that is asking more detail on question three on the net side, but it looks like uh, Alessandra got it. So wh while they are translating, I'm going to take the first question very quickly on the Q3 and Q4. Honestly, in our assumption, uh, we do not expect any major differences uh, between Q3 and Q4. So they should be uh, both uh, roughly at the same level. Uh, Map, I'll let you take the two other questions. Yeah, sure. I think I, I begin with the, uh, the last one. I think you were asking the, uh, the size of, uh, of, uh, of Sapient in, uh, in million euro. It's, uh, it's roughly two billion uh, for 2023. Now, uh, related, Julien, to the question on the, on the, on the free cash, um, uh, the, the connection is not great. I'm not sure I got it. Uh, you were referring to the above uh, 1.6 billion. What, what, what is it that you wanted to know about that? So uh, I wanted to know to go from from free cash flow, uh, which is which the guidance is pre the new U.S. tax and pre working capital. Um, so can we get those two numbers to get to reported free cash flow? Uh, and also with so much cash generation, what should be the interest for the full year? 
So now I understand. Okay, so let's uh, let's clarify uh, let's clarify two points here. Uh, the first one is the uh, the 1.6 above uh, uh, 1.6 billion of uh, of guidance is including the uh, uh, the tax payment that we've made uh, in the U.S. in January 2023 related to, to uh, 2022, which maybe you remember is uh, is uh, is representing 110 million. So it's including this number. Okay, and the second thing is that this uh, uh, free cash flow guidance is taking into consideration the, um, uh, the exchange rate of the USD to, uh, to Euro, uh, uh, ex uh, which, which has just changed in the last, uh, you know, in the last weeks at uh, uh, 1.12 uh, 1.12, and I think in terms of uh, interest charge, maybe a, a couple of uh, a couple of remarks here. The first one is you see that we, and as I've said in the um, in, in the presentation, we are receiving, we have received in H1 a far better remuneration on cash. Uh, that's what I expected at the beginning of the year. It's coming uh, straight from the fact that the uh, uh, interest rates are better than expected because of the increase in the central bank rates on both sides of the Atlantic. But for us, it's mostly uh, the Fed, which is, uh, um, which is uh, important. Um, so it's true that in February, when we uh, gave you the indication on financial expenses, Economists were not anticipated such a rise uh, in interest rate. Clearly, this has benefited us more than uh, we anticipated. So when we anticipated, maybe you remember, Julien, 95 million for the year, this implied 45 million for H1, which actually came at six. Huh? The improvement fully coming from the interest rate. And when it comes to H2, uh, remember that the interest rate began to increase almost exactly a year ago. This means that H2 this year should be in the bracket of 30 to 40 million, so versus uh, 52 million uh, last year. So it means that for 2023 in total, uh, headline financial expenses should be uh, about 40 million, which means improving by 50, 50 million uh, versus our previous estimate. Merci, Michel. Merci beaucoup, Julien. The next question is from Matthew Walker from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Thanks a lot. Um, thanks for the results. Hope you can hear me. Um, the first question really is on the Omnicom call. Um, they said that they expected AI to be uh, both to increase both organic growth and to also increase margin over time. So I guess the first question is, do you agree with that? And then the second question is, um, on the 3% for the second half, which is like an exit rate into 2024, is that an appropriate growth level for 2024, or do you think it will be higher because all of the contracts from Sapien will start to flow again? you know, when clients become more confident. Thank you, Mathieu. Uh, hopefully you will understand that for 2024 we will have to wait a bit uh, before getting into that, but uh, let me take your question uh, uh, on the Omnicom. So we, we don't comment uh, on competition, but if uh, the question is, is AI will increase our organic growth and help us on margin, uh, I have two answers for you. Uh, yes, uh, it, it will for the competition, and yes, it is uh, for publicists. 
to be very clear. And I'm going to give you a very precise example of that. Uh, uh, we don't win what we win today in terms of media if we don't put AI and Epsilon together. You need to understand something, is that AI is nothing without data. Everyone can claim, again, partnership, managing AI, doing fancy images with a gorilla flying a plane, but this is not what our clients want at the moment. Our clients are living in a turbulent time. They need to increase their growth while reducing their costs, and they need to make sure that they can efficiently spend their marketing budget. And so the reason why we grow thanks to AI, and this is only one example that I'm giving you here, is definitely our ability to have since a while now AI at the core of Exilon, for example, which means that we are refreshing our data every five minutes to deliver real-time personalization at scale. We are the only one. We are the only one that can link any media investment to business outcome on everything we do. And we are leading in retail media and connected TV thanks to AI. And when you look at our growth in media, you understand that AI is already at the core of our model delivering growth. On margin, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting topic. I guess everyone in the future, and we are already today, and I didn't want to spend time on that because I took it as an assumption that was obvious, is AI is already at the core of most of our operating system in everything we do and our ability to actually outsource to AI a number of simple tasks. So I didn't want to come to that on the presentation. I want to take another example that is, by the way, related uh, to what Michel uh, talked about personal cost. Okay? We have been able to cap our personal cost at the same level uh, 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 independently of inflation and, by the way, hire less people than our growth because we are able today, thanks to AI on Marcel, to truly optimize our workforce and make sure that we find the right people for the right job with the right ambition, training them well, paying them well, and giving them opportunity to go. And so, again, will it be on the client side and our ability to generate revenue thanks to AI? We are already there, and we're going to accelerate. When it comes to our own operating model, I can give you thousands of examples where AI is already helping us to get where we are. I mean, again, if you look at our margin, okay, uh, for H1, uh, Despite delivering the best growth, we're going to have a margin that roughly is 150 basis points better than the second one, and roughly 400 or 500 basis points, 500 basis points than the lagger, while delivering the best margin. AI is helping for that. Okay, thank you. That's very clear. Thanks a lot. The next question is from Christophe Chablanc from Société Générale. Please go ahead. Yes, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. First one was on, um, on the platform organization. Uh, you have added Praxia this year, Tremend last year, so you feel today the, the setup is, uh, is complete. So we expect a fewer uh, acquisitions à la Praxia or à la, à la Tremend. And, Related to the same subject, uh, what is the share of the cost base today which we could see as uh, offshore? That's the first question. The second question, I think Michel Alain mentioned that uh, you, you added uh, 1,300 uh, net hiring. I, I wanted to, to make it clear it was organic and uh, just was curious about what you, you were planning to do in Q3 and Q4. And the last one was on property. Uh, is there more to come in H2 in terms of uh, property cost? And given the, the plan you have put in place, what uh, 
what are the savings that uh, you have locked for 2024 versus 2025? Thank you. Thank you very much, Christophe. So I will let Michelin take the offshore net hire and property question. I will go quickly on, on our MLS strategy. I mean, Hopefully, you have seen that we have been pretty consistent uh, in um, our acquisition strategy, and we will continue to do so. Uh, we are looking for a company, only Bolton acquisition, that can help strengthen our data stack and everything that has to do with first-party data around the world, and we have made a couple of acquisitions, and we will continue. And we are also looking for more capacities and capabilities for sapiens. Will it be directly for them or in link with some platform as the we just did uh, for an ADB integrator. What is important to note here is that we are only looking for two things. We are looking for talent and technology. We are looking for talent and technology that can complement the two platforms that we have created with Epsilon on one side and Publicis Sapient on the other. And we strictly go on that. If we find more opportunities, we will accelerate on opportunities. If it doesn't fit with what we do, we will actually slow down. But for the moment, we are counting of being on the same pace. Maybe, Michelin, I'll let you uh, take the three others. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Beginning with the, uh, the net hiring of uh, 1,300, yes, you're right. This is, uh, this is organic. Uh, we net hire about uh, uh, 700 people uh, in the Q1, and then we net hired about 600 people in the Q2. And then we got from uh, our acquisition, so mostly Praktia and Cora, uh, 1,700 uh, non-organic. So if you look at the first semester in total, it is uh, 3,000 uh, people more in the group, 1,300 organic and 1,700 non-organic coming from Praktia and Cora, but you know mostly uh, Praktia, which is representing uh, 1,200 out of the uh, 1,700. Now on the um, on the uh, uh, the, the property part. Yes, you, you, you're right, Christophe. We are very active in this uh, in this area. Uh, uh, I, I cannot comment yet on the uh, on the amount of saving we will materialize in 2024. But what I can tell you is that obviously it is playing a key role in uh, our PNRs this year, uh, both in H1 and in H2. And you see that through the, uh, the decrease of depreciation, because in depreciation, you've got the depreciation of assets, okay? But you've got the depreciation of right of use. Right of use is directly linked to the number of leases we have, and we are reducing this lease uh, uh, consistently uh, uh, semester after semester, and it, uh, it, uh, it boils down in H1 into a decrease of uh, depreciation of, uh, of, uh, of 60 bips, as you, um, as you have seen. Now, on the, uh, on the uh, offshore uh, part, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a key, it's a key element of, uh, of, our, of our strategy. As you can see, uh, we have now a, uh, a global delivery center for Sapient, which is complete and which is uh, what, what we call in the industry a follow the sun, meaning with, uh, with uh, Latin America, Romania, and, uh, and India. Overall, uh, for the group, 
all of our global delivery centers are representing about 25% of our headcount. We are monitoring this on a monthly basis on our mix by uh, onshore-offshore for all the practice, and we are fully on track for our objective in 2023. And just on the hiring plan for Q3, Q4, have you stabilized that count at uh, the, the level of H1? We'll, 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 we'll have, we'll have a, a, a net hiring which will be, uh, we think, uh, a, bit, uh, a, bit, uh, a bit below than uh, H1 in line with our uh, activity that, uh, uh, that Arthur commented as a uh, rock-solid 3% in the second semester. Just have in mind, Christophe, if I may, a last comment. We just won a gigantic contract, which is Pfizer, and obviously we'll be ramping these resources uh, right now and during, during summer. So obviously it will be in our numbers for H2. Okay. Thank you. The next question is from Richard Airy from UBS. Please go ahead. Yeah, morning everyone. Uh, just two sort of questions for myself. Just firstly, just, just on guidance, going back to the H2 guidance of 3%, uh, can you just maybe give us a bit more colour within that in terms of what you're expecting around media, creative, Epson, Shakespeare? I, I would imagine that, and correct me if I'm wrong, if, if media is still continuing to double digit, benefiting from the Pfizer and existing new business wins, does that mean that Shaping an epsilon is effectively close to flat growth expectations in the second half. If you can just clarify that, that would be great. And then the, the second question is just on margins, uh, and maybe Michelle, as we look out into 24, I presume that the benefits of low depreciation from property um, and the change in terms of expensing software will continue. So should we see more benefits around margin improvements from those two elements as we go into 24, I presume that will also get aided by new business wins, as you said, is already high margins. So any comments on margins as we go forward would that be helpful? Thank you very much. Uh, I will take the first question and leave you the second. Or we can do the other way around, but I think it would be, be better on the second one. Um, uh, now, look, uh, when we look at H2, if you look roughly by, by, um, by expertise and capabilities, uh, we, we believe that data and tech, that is roughly one-third of our revenue, as you know, to continue to be accretive, huh? even after a strong H1 and with a huge comparable. Uh, we also expect media to be accretive, again, thanks to our new business tailwind, we, we, we do see some softness on creative as we anticipated. Again, nothing new there. But with a, with a strong momentum of production, which is good for the future, as Michelin was telling you, because clients will need more production content in the future, and that makes us very optimistic for the quarter to come. This is roughly how it goes. But maybe Michelin on margin? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's obviously too early to comment on, uh, on 2024. Uh, what I can say that obviously the, um, the, the dynamics that you are uh, under, underlying uh, are the right one, and they should contribute uh, to our margin for, uh, for next year. What I can, can comment on is that the way we see margin for, uh, for this year is, as, as you know, close to uh, 18%. Uh, the, the, the major assumption behind this is that we will have personal costs which should be broadly stable 
uh, on the uh, on the full year in a percentage of uh, of uh, net revenue and this include an envelope of bonus and incentive which are equivalent which is equivalent to 2022 so it's already baked in our uh, guidance and as far as non-personal cost is concerned which i think was more your uh, your question we'll have indeed on the year lower depreciation with the real estate optimization plan and with uh, uh, an increased use of uh, of SaaS uh, uh, platform which are directly uh, expense but at the same time as i told you at the beginning of the year it will be compensated by uh, a bit more gna which is linked to the uh, return to the office more travels more client facing meetings so overall i i, I expect the two to compensate one uh, the other on non-personal costs and will be all together uh, close to 18 for the year Thank you very much. Other question? Yeah. The next question is from Connor Ossi from Kepler Chevrolet. Please go ahead. Yeah, yes, thank you. Thank you for taking my questions. Uh, morning, everybody, uh, and congratulations on the results. Uh, just just uh, three, three quick questions for me. Um, just uh, the first question, just on the media side, it's double digit. It seems like in almost all territories, even ahead of building some of the, the bigger wins, You've had recently, so with you know digital advertising media being still pretty weak uh, for the platforms and so on, which has got 70% market share, can, can you give us an indication of other other factors involved uh, that are that are driving such a strong recovery of a business that was weaker going into the pandemic and has has come out uh, extremely strong? Uh, then uh, the second question, just on the, the CPG business, particularly in the US among the clients as a group. Some of your peers have suggested that the underlying trend is a bit weaker there. Have you seen anything there, excluding excluding the effect of any new wins on, on an underlying basis in terms of activity and so on? And then just a third uh, question maybe for Ishad Alana, just uh, an indication of the pipeline on M&A uh, for the second half of the year. Is, is it looking stronger than the first half, or, or is there anything you can uh, say on that uh, at this stage? Thank you. Uh, I'll take the two first one and uh, I let Michel on the pipeline, although we, we are not disclosing a lot on this topic. Um, on media, uh, th th there is two reasons why uh, we are outperforming the market strongly. Huh? And you are right, Connor. Uh, we, we can see some weakness, for example, in the upfront, uh, which, by the way, is linked to what we are saying about clients delaying their decision in investment. Uh, they are doing this with digital business transformation because it's a lot of money, so they are not stopping, they are just delaying. They are also doing that with upfront because by definition they have to commit for the future where they want to keep some flexibility. So uh, uh, we are seeing, of course, a lot of movement. Honestly, this is something we like. Uh, because our model, and uh, uh, it's impossible to do it on the phone, but is based on the fact that the future of marketing will lie on identities, which is what we deliver uh, with Epsilon, and there will be a shift from cookies to identities that is benefiting us at the moment. And then our client will start to balance better what they spend in paid media, renting audiences, and this is what we're talking at the moment, and how they build their own digital ecosystem, and they are able to navigate from one to another thanks to identity. So the more complex it gets, the more interesting it is for us to make sure that we can, again, help our clients 
to really transform. And it comes back to the point I was making about the shift we have operated over the year to move from being a communication partner that could be impacted by some slowdown in media to a transformation partner that is truly agnostic between paid and own with identity at the core. Sorry, it was a bit specific, but if by any chance there is a prospect on this call, it will be interesting about that. Um, um, more, more importantly, and coming back to your question, the two reasons why we are winning as we do in media, despite what we are seeing at the moment, is first new business. And again, our ability at the moment to win market share is extremely important because in media, scale matter. And our ability to lead the market, particularly in the US, makes a big difference. And we are winning market share thanks to the ability to bring with media epsilon and sapiens. And the second is new media. I mean, I, I, hopefully uh, I, I was clear in my presentation, but one of the big benefits to bring Epsilon data through AI to be refreshed every five minutes is that we are able to lead in uh, a direct TV, personalized TV, but also in retail media, which are two areas where not only we see growth and great growth, but true transformation and good reason for the client to choose us, which leads me, by the way, to your question on CPG, I'm starting to be very excited uh, by uh, the marketing model of CPG uh, because for too long, um, um, too many CPG companies uh, have been investing uh, a disproportionate part of their investments in what we call the wall garden, uh, where their media was managed by others and their data were kept in the wall garden. Retail media allow now CPG to create a direct relationship with their customer with a very simple, simple platform that not only allows them to track them during their journey on-site on walmart.com or carrefour.fr or whatever, but also off-site when those people move to other platforms on the web. And this means that they can, we, can, we can put the right message at the right time with the right place. The second thing that retail media does for CPG that is breakthrough is that it allows us to link media investment to business outcome. You remember this, this sentence saying, uh, I know that 50% of my budget is working, but I don't know which. This is over with CPG when you use retail media. So we are seeing a huge potential in a category that honestly, apart for some that I won't name, that were very advanced, has still a lot to do. So we feel good about the potential of our offer to actually rise with CPG in the future. Sorry it was a bit technical, but you got me there. No, no, absolutely, very helpful. Okay, on the, um, on the pipe for M&A, obviously I cannot comment uh, in, uh, in detail, but what I can tell you is that we, we have the pipe to, uh, to reach our uh, 500 to 600 million of uh, Bolton acquisition for, um, uh, for this year, but obviously you know the timing of M&A is depending on availability and uh, targets and negotiation, and as uh, Arthur underlined, all this while respecting a, a very strict uh, group financial uh, discipline. What I can say is that we will carry on to, uh, to focus on this Bolton acquisition uh, to improve our skill and capabilities in data, in DBT, in commerce, and, uh, and AI. That's uh, what is uh, for, the, uh, for the year. We still have two questions, I guess, yeah? Okay, so two more. Who's next?
The next question is from Adrian de Saint-Hilaire from Bank of America. Please go ahead. Yeah, many thanks for taking the question and good morning, everyone. Uh, so I've got a couple of questions, please. Uh, Arthur, you, you mentioned the localized cuts. I'm just wondering if you have seen a deterioration around these cuts uh, throughout the quarter and into the early part of, uh, of Q3, or if it's the same trend and in Q1. Uh, and then maybe some uh, housekeeping questions for, for Michel Alain. So uh, I think implicitly the margin guidance uh, for H2 is for margin to be about 18.7, let's say. I think in 2019 they were above... 19%. Just conceptually wondering why, like, should the H223 margin be below H2 uh, 2019? Uh, and then secondly, if you could just reconfirm how much you intend to spend on CapEx, because it was down in H1, but I think you've talked about about 250 for the year, uh, and also for uh, M&A. Um, normally the envelope is four to 600. I'm just wondering how you're tracking against this uh, for the year. Thank you so much. Now, thanks to you. I will let two and three uh, to Michel. I will take one. No, we, we don't see uh, more uh, localized cuts uh, than at the beginning of the year. And uh, 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 the, the thing you need to understand, and hopefully we've been clear on that, is that um, we, we always said that the 5% was in playing that the macroeconomic situation will improve. We don't see any improvement at the moment. We don't see worse, but we don't see any improvement. And despite this, and thanks to the resilience of our model and honestly the fact that we are winning market share, we are still capable of going to five and being in position to tell you that any eventuality of a slowdown in DBT or some cuts that are coming in H2 is baked into that. So we don't see any big difference at the moment, but we are prepared. This is why we said that our three is rock solid. You want to take two and three? Yes, sure. So uh, on the um, uh, on the margin, uh, so yeah, I begin with last year. Huh? Last year we reported, as you remember, 18% margin on the year, and it was 17.3 in H1 and 18.6 in uh, in H2. Now, if you take into account uh, the, um, the the new uh, the new dollar rate that I just mentioned at 112 uh, for the rest of the year. It means that actually it will represent a, a 20 bips impact on, uh, on H2. Uh, so a 10 bips impact on the year, but 20 bips impact on, on, on H2. So the 18.6 of last year, taking into consideration this new dollar exchange rate, it's 18.4. So if you look at what we have in front of us, it's an equivalent margin in H2 than, uh, than last year to get to uh, uh, close to uh, uh, 18% if you take, obviously, 17.9 as close to uh, 18%. Now, on your second uh, question about, um, about CapEx, uh, uh, we, we, we spent uh, 75 million in, uh, in H1. Last year, we spent uh, 82, so it's, uh, it's a notch uh, uh, below. But uh, uh, traditionally, uh, CapEx is always lower in, a, in the first uh, semester. But for the full year, we, uh, we are anticipating a CapEx between uh, 230 and 250 uh, million. And I think you had a last question of, on, on M&A, but I, I, I think I just uh, answered it. Uh, we spent 170 million on M&A. Uh, mostly on uh, Praktia and Cora in the in the first semester, uh, we confirmed the uh, the envelope of uh, 500 to 600 million. But obviously, we will see how the uh, the second semester is uh, is happening. Thank you very much. I think we have a last question. 
The, last, the final question is from Tom Singerhurst from CT. Please go ahead. Yes, thank you. Just two quick ones to, to finish. Uh, Tom here from City. Um, first for Artur, then for Nicolas. Um, on uh, Artur, um, question is: Do you have enough scale in, in retail media? I mean, obviously, Cafeteria and, and Citrusad doing really well. There's the partnership with Carrefour, but do you need to double down on that space to, to really capitalise on the opportunity? And then. Um, Question for Michelle and I. Um, higher interest rate environment is clearly very good for net interest income. Just wondering whether it's having any impact on discussions around terms of trade and, and therefore a knock on impact on the anticipated working capital movements for the full year or into next year. Thank you. I'm going to let Michelle and I take the second one and then I'll end up with the first one. Oh, we can reverse it. <laughs> no, I can I can take this one then first, and uh, uh, no, no. But I'll start with uh, with with retail media then because it's a great sure. question. Yeah, um, it's um, as I said, this is a strategic topic for many many of our clients, particularly um, uh, in CPG. I think uh, we have a massive competitive advantage here. Why? Is because compared to any other competition, we are the only one that has the full stack of capabilities you need to lead in retail media, and we've got it at scale. And let's, let me spend a second on this. Yes, you need a retail media platform, and with Citrus, we have the best, if not one of the best, not to seem too competitive, on the market. But this is not enough. And this is actually resuming very well our acquisition strategy. The reason why we bought Citrus is that we knew that by combining Citrus with Epsilon Identity, we were building a model that was unique because we were able to track customers not only on the retailer website, but also when it goes out of the website. And so we are uniquely positioned here to actually do end-to-end -end retail media. If you add to that... The scale we have with Publicis Media and our ability to get the best deal for our clients when they get out of the platform, not only we have the scale, but we have a unique product. And again, this is why we are winning what we are winning at the moment. Michel Alain, I'll let you take the second one and then I will conclude. Yeah, sure. So um, on, the, uh, on, the, on the working capital, um, there, there is no link, I mean, between the, um, the, the rise in, uh, in the interest rate and the evolution of, uh, of working capital by itself. Really, we had uh, this, uh, this semester, uh, as usual, with uh, the cyclical nature of working capital, an outflow of one billion in this first semester, and it's really reflecting uh, the very high commercial activity that uh, we had this semester, uh, particularly uh, we want several uh, production deals. Uh, and it's, that's where the link is. It's not linked to the interest rates. Back to you, Arthur. Thank you very much. Uh, so, so maybe just one word in conclusion to make sure that we leave you sharp at the hour. Uh, hopefully, you're going to take simply two things uh, out of the time we have spent together this morning. The first is um, I think we have made the demonstration uh, that our model is truly resilient and can resist to the business cycle. There is two reasons for that. A revenue mix that is incredibly well balanced and our ability to win market share through the performance of Publicis Media. 
We are outperforming again the market on growth, and we are continuing to deliver by far the best financial ratios. By the way, it's interesting to see six years later that we are today making the demonstration that you can keep the best margin of the industry by far, while, by the way, rewarding our people properly and best in the industry, and outperforming on growth. As long as we have operated this shift from a communication partner to a transformation partner, and we have put the right capabilities at the center that our clients are needing. This allows us to upgrade our guidance, despite the fact that we still have some persistent microeconomies and uncertainties on all of our KPIs. The second thing I hope you will take, although it's difficult to do on a call, but by chance our members are starting to convince you that this is the case, we believe that we are ready today for tomorrow. Today for tomorrow. When you look at the investment we have made, when you look at the transformation we've been through, that honestly has not been easy, and some investors on the call have been suffering with us during this period, today we are really leading the industry in what really matters, and it matters at scale, which is data, technology, and AI. Well, I'm going to thank you. I hope you can take a couple of days off and enjoy a bit of the winter. I know that Alessandra is here in summer, winter, summer. <laughs> but it depends where you sit. And, um, and Alessandra is here for you for any uh, additional questions. Thank you very much. Merci. Bye-bye.